before Big Ben's throw, before Santonio Holmes' catch, before Pittsburgh became Sixburg. There were doubts. There was a daunting schedule. There was a dominant defense. This is the season. 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome Steelers Nation. I am Bryant McFadden, your host and cornerback on the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. On this podcast, I'll revisit our Super Bowl run from a decade ago with former teammates and coaches, delivering you behind-the-scenes insights and memories on the biggest plays, personalities from that memorable season. Let's get to this week's game and guess. Steeler Nation, we're back once again. It's time to recap week 15 of the 2008 Super Bowl winning season from the Pittsburgh Steelers. And during that week, a very, very intense matchup, the rivalry between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Baltimore Ravens. The Pittsburgh Steelers travel to Baltimore to face their hated divisional foe. At that time, both teams were playing pretty good football. The Steelers entered that ball game 10 and 3. The Baltimore Ravens entered that ball game nine and four. And before we get into that ball game, that recap, I wanted to bring a special guest on an individual that had a huge impact in the Steelers victory. I know him personally. We were a part of the same draft class 2005. And I, I believe in my personal opinion, we were that rabbit foot the Steelers needed to have because of course, when our draft class entered, uh, into the facility, we, Instantly won a championship in the first year in 2005. And then years down the line, we ended up winning another championship. My friend, my partner in crime, Nate Washington, joins us here for this week 15 recap. 11-year NFL vet. Four years with the Steelers. Two-time Super Bowl champion. Finished his career with 458 career receptions. Over 6,000 yards roughly under 7,000 yards to be exact 45 total touchdowns in 2008 had big time critical plays that he made in big time moments 40 catches 631 yards three touchdowns Nate it's an honor to have you here joining me recapping week 15 how is everything going with you man things are going good man it's excited to see my brother in this life <laughs> you know he well deserved but you know things are going good just being a family man right now and relinquishing all the hard work from all those days we put in you know how it goes man just happy to be in the position that i'm in now retired <laughs> retired having fun of course this is our 10-year reunion and uh being able to recap and reminisce about some of the glory moments in that 2008 season i'm appreciative to have you be a part of this and before we get into that hated ball game the pittsburgh steelers traveling down to baltimore to face off against the ravens uh, you had a unlikely story to say the least you know me i was fortunate enough to attend florida state university before getting drafted by the pittsburgh steelers uh being a draft pick is a huge accomplishment uh but when you're when you look at your story of course he was not a drafted player undrafted wide receiver coming from a very 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 small college tiffin college to be exact tell the listeners yeah. a little bit about a little bit about your story how did you end up at Tiffin? Right. Just coming out of high school, you know, I was 
a smaller guy, uh, went to an inner city school where, you know, sports were just honestly a way to keep kids off the streets. You know, it wasn't no real dynamic of building us or putting us in position to be, you know, D1 players. It was just focused on staying off the streets and giving our energy to positive efforts, you know. So I went to a school like that, and as of most inner city schools are. You know, a lot of kids don't understand what that, you know, next level is like, you know, that college level. So I was just playing sports, you know. I played in the wishbone. I only had about 36 catches my senior year. And being on six foot and weighing about a buck 40 at the time, nobody really was interested in a kid like that for a D1. I had some offers to walk on, but really didn't even understand that situation. So I went with the school that was interested in me, I guess. You know, um, I had a coach at the time that was there, Coach Nathan Cole. He was definitely an advocate for bringing me to the school and making sure that I had all the financial aid and things that I would need to make sure that my, my tuition would be taken care of. And it got me there. And after that, it was just a wrap. You know, I never looked back. You know, I never looked at the NFL as an opportunity for me when I was there. It was every Saturday I was able to compete. You know, every Saturday I was able to go against another guy and dominate the game if I, if I chose to do it. And I wanted to do it, you know, at that time, didn't really like football, but competition was everything. You know, it was nothing in my life that somebody was going to tell me that they were better at. So every time I had the opportunity, I just played hard and kind of find out after four years, a couple scouts get wind of me and, you know, they start showing up to practices and saying that they're intrigued. Uh, I actually had my pro day. I didn't get invited to the combine, but I had my pro day at um, a YMCA, local YMCA. So that was a pretty interesting experience, but it all worked out. You know, the Pittsburgh Steelers were there at the end of it all to say, come on home. We want you here. We want, you want to make this your home. And um, we want to give you an honest opportunity and a chance to come and make some plays in the NFL. You know, and as you know, BMAC, it was one of those opportunities where you come into that locker room and it was family. I, I came in from a small school. I came in from a, a situation where not too many people may have known me. But when I came in that locker room, everybody treated me like their brother. Every, everybody treated me like I belonged. Everybody treated me like they wanted me there. Not only did I belong, but they believed in me. And it boosted my confidence. It boosted my confidence to say, well, you know, it was a long road from where I come from. But at the same time, this is something new for me. This is my future. I believe in these guys that believe in me. And I wanted to give them everything that I possibly could. And throughout that spring and throughout that training camp, the, you know, the, the awareness of what I was able to do just continued to grow. I, I did everything I could. And my ability at that time, I left it on the field and God be the glory. It just worked out and I made the team. And I've, as you know, after our rookie year winning the Super Bowl, it was just a fairy tale story from there on. Uh, no question. Uh, fairy tale story, surreal moments for all of us. I know the first time I met Nate, first of all, I never heard anything about Tiffin. I don't, I, I like Tiffin College. I'm like, what the freak is that? You know what I mean? Uh, you know, filling me in about Tiffin. Of course, real quick, could you let the listeners know where Tiffin College is? Uh, Tiffin University is in Ohio. It's about an hour southeast of Toledo, Ohio, where I'm originally from. It was an opportunity for me to get away from home, but still be in my mother's reach, just in case she needed to slap me, you know? <laughs> so it was a, it was a good opportunity. Uh, the school is, at the time, it was a very, you know, smaller school, but they're growing. And um, they're definitely doing some good things on there. They have a new coach and Gary Goff, and they're growing their program. You know, they're, they're definitely being recognized around the Northwest Ohio area. Uh, they're definitely being recognized in the Division Two, and they're continuing to grow. And I'm, I'm excited to see and know that, you know, I was able to start something 
of a notoriety for that school and give them an opportunity to be on the broader stage. Yeah, I, I, one quick story before we get into this ball game, recapping this ball game. When I first met Nate, we were a part of the same draft class. Of course, he was a free agent. And, of course, we had a lot of battles on the football field being rookies yes. and younger players. And what really established our relationship, I don't know if you remember this, because when you're rookies with Pittsburgh, at that time, we all stayed in the Allegheny Center. Oh, yeah. If you're from oh, Pittsburgh, yes. if you know about the Pittsburgh area, you know where the Allegheny Center is. So me, I'm a South Florida kid. And <laughs> during the springtime, once we got up to Pittsburgh for our mini camp and getting ready for OTAs, every day my wardrobe was similar as far as Jordan shorts, Jordan shorts, t-shirt, baby. and some J's. So Nate was like, hey, man, what, all you wear is Jordan shorts? Like, all you wear is athletic apparel? Like, straight, my short game was fire. Like, every pair of Jordan shorts that they had, I had. So Nate was like, man, I, I never seen nothing like that. I'm like, listen, man, from the South, I'm from the South. It's always hot. Being comfortable is the most important priority. And then, I don't know if you remember, as we continue to progress and time went by, guess who I started seeing wearing the short game? Hey, to Mr. this day, Mr. the only pair of shorts, the only pair of shorts I will wear is a pair of Jordan shorts. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, a queer, real good story, but no question, man. Like I said, partner in crime, man. We came into this thing together. We both left Pittsburgh after our fourth year with two championships and getting into this 2008 season for us. It was a historical moment for both sides, uh, on both sides of the football, being able to hoist the six sticky Lombardi. For the Steelers organization, being a part of that Pittsburgh Steeler team, Nate, in 2008 offensively, when you look at the wide receiving core led by future Hall of Famer Heinz Ward, Santonio Home, yourself, Lyman Swede, talk about the unit you guys had as far as the chemistry that you provided and understanding the format of the game, being quality vets and the only young guy, new guy was Lyman Swede. Well, I also have to give uh, a shout out to my guy, Sean Murray. You know, honestly, yeah. to, to sum it up, you know, it was a, we were a jigsaw puzzle. Every no every single guy in that room gave some type of, you know, ability that the other one couldn't give. You know, and to be honest, it just matched perfectly. You know, Santonio was one heck of a route runner at the time. Um, Hines was going to be able to not only establish your run game, but make some key plays for you on third down, take the big shots over the middle. He was going to always be open and be reliable for Ben. So that was that piece. And, you know, obviously I was able to get down the field. You know, I was able to stretch the field for the guys and give them an opportunity to make some plays underneath and take my opportunities when they came over top, you know. So to have a young guy in line this, you know, it was just a, a young body. You know, he was a longer guy, taller. He was able to make the plays above the head that nobody else could put to make um, when there were jump balls and things of that nature. And he gave us a different dynamic as well with his height and his ability, with his physical ability. And then there was Sean Murray, you know, yeah. to be honest, you know, at the time, you know, as you know, with a football team, everybody is accountable for every situation. And, you know, you have to be accountable for even special teams. Yes. And with that being said, to have a guy like Sean Murray in that, lock, in that room, he actually took the pressure off of young guys like me, Rhymus, and Santonio, you know, honestly, we weren't going to be the best special teams guy, but Sean was that one guy for all four of us. Mm -hmm. He showed up on every single special teams. He gave everything he had. He was a leader. He understood his role. And um, he was a dynamic uh, captain for that special teams unit that we had at that time. 
Yeah, Sean Murray, if you're a diehard Steelers fan, you remember who that yes. is. Number 81. Yeah. And boy, he would put his head in the fire at any given time, especially on kickoff. Uh, he was a individual that loved and embraced his role. A Definitely. special teams player and occasionally, if needed, would come in and give you quality product production on the offensive side. And that was the entire identity of our team. Uh, we all had certain roles. We all embraced those roles. And we also had the ability to do more if need be. And he was a prime example of that. Definitely. I definitely agree with you. I think every guy was valuable to step in for the next, but we loved our roles. We loved yeah. and never stepped above our roles. If not required, we understood what each other playing off of each other could mean. You know, it could take us to a whole nother level, even if we were counted as underdogs. Yeah. Brian here, and I just wanted to let Steelers Nation and all football fans know that you can watch me on CBS Sports HQ breaking down games every weekend. What's CBS Sports HQ? It's a free streaming service available anywhere you watch sports. Your phone, tablet, connected TV devices, computer. And it's a chunk full of not just my expert NFL and college football analysis, but highlights, news, and everything you need to be the smartest sports fan in the room. To paraphrase my old coach, Mike Tomlin, the CBS Sports HQ, the standard is the standard. All right, Steelers fans, it's time. Let's get ready to recap this Week 15 matchup. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Baltimore Ravens at 415 kickoff. It's a five-star matchup because we're in it. In the words of yes. Mike Tomlin, <laughs> 45 degrees at that time, pretty high for December football. Uh, the Ravens, the Ravens, excuse me, were favored by three points. Like I said, the Steelers entered that ball game 10 and three, the Ravens nine and four. Let's talk a little bit about that rivalry from the individual standpoint with you, Nate, and also playing for a divisional title because that ball game right there determined the divisional title in the AFC North in 2008. Um, for me, it was, you know, all about wearing that black and gold. You know, it was an understanding. There was nothing that we ever was going, we ever were going to go into a battle and not make it physical. And with that being said, you know, to go into Baltimore, to understand the dynamic that they had, to be one of the most, you know, respected d defensive um, teams in the league at the time, as well as, as we were, we understood what it was going to be. It was going to be a, a battle every single play. You want to have to keep your head on the swivel because somebody was going to try to knock it off, you know, and that was just, just the battle, that mentality that we had. We went into every single one of those games with the mentality that it wasn't going to be easy. We were going to have to be fundamentally sound. Every single detail of teaching that we had throughout the week was going to be imperative to our success. And doing what we could do best individually was going to be imperative, not stepping on the other guys. So, so we went into those games knowing, you know, we have to be detailed and understand that these guys are going to take advantage of every single mistake they can while trying to punch us in the mouth. So we knew it was time to go into that physical, hard-fought battle with a mentality to win. Nate, playing against the Ravens your entire career in Pittsburgh twice a year, the Ravens had a similar identity to what we had, especially on the defensive side. And at that time, they had outstanding playmakers on the defensive side led by Ray Lewis, uh, Ed Reed, Ball So Hall University, Terrell Suggs, uh, Samari Rowe. I mean, the list can go, it goes on and on. Haloti Nada, uh, Frank Walker, Trevor Price. I mean, Ivy, 
uh, Fabian Washington. But when you look back now and you think back as far as the matchups you had, what made that team so difficult to play against from the defensive side? Just they were going to be physical. You know, their um, their ability to blitz away from a zone, you know, they were very similar to us. You know, they, they did a lot of funky movements pre-snap that we had to be aware of. You know, they, they did a lot of um, stemming and things of that nature to tr- try and disguise their uh, their post look of what they were, were really trying to do against us. And it was a difficult situation. You know, a lot of times you go into football games and as an offense, you try to t- make a lot of pre-snap reads that will give your offense the ability to go out and be successful. You know, you want to go out and try to see what that team is doing against you and try to dictate otherwise. But as of playing with Baltimore, not only were they going to be physical, but they were going to be disguising a lot. You know, they, they were going to come from everywhere. They were a heavy blessing team. They were very, you know, similar to us. You know, I think the best thing about playing a team like that was going against our defense every day in practice. You know, it was an opportunity for us to get that physical mentality throughout the week, get some funky looks, you know, from a, from a defense that was going to be coming from every, every single place that they possibly could. And, um, just being aware, you know, I think understanding that the dynamic of them coming after us, we were going to have to be aware of those things and, getting into our routes quickly, making sure that our run game was fitting soundly and making sure that we were definitely going to be prepared for their blitzing because besides the physical nature, you know, they were blitzing from all over the place. Uh, talking about defenses and being extremely physical, both defenses showed up big time early in this ball game in the first quarter. Neither offense could get anything going, each punting quickly on their first two possessions, and then finally the first big play happens from the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ryan Clark intercepts Joe Flacco off a deflection uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers defense. And then the previous two weeks against the Pats and the Coast, they forced five turnovers, having an early turnover uh, against a divisional foe in the in the Baltimore Ravens. Now, offensively, knowing and seeing how well our defense played in the sudden change effect happened early in the ball game. what goes in the, into the mentality of an offense when you see – when you know it's going to be a very close, close ball game and your defense gets a big time turnover and now sudden change, you're right back on the football field. What's the mentality of the offense then? Depending on the, 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 uh, position of field, you know, the offense is on, you're, you're kind of looking to take advantage of that. You know, that's a huge momentum swing, especially when you're playing in your home stadium. Your, your fans get behind you a little more. The crowd, you know, generates your team. Uh, I think at that time they, they had, uh, got an intersect, interception on, their side of the field going into their end zone. So, and that meant, and with that mentality, you want to take a shot for the end zone right now. You know, you want to see if the defense is going to, you know, react properly mentally. Um, if they're going to be into it, uh, a fundamentally sound, ready and prepared to play at that moment. Or, you know, a, a lot of guys go out there without, with the wrong mentality, griping about what the offense just did and the defense may not be there, you know, so a lot of offenses are able to take care of and um, take advantage of that opportunity. And that's particularly what you want to do as an offense. You want to take care, um, take take advantage of that opportunity instantly uh, in hopes that the, that that momentum swing in that moment can take you above the other team. Speaking of taking advantage of the opportunity after that turnover, Big Ben hits you, Nate Washington, on an 18-yard reception inside Ravens territory. But Ray Lewis came up big time with a sack, pushes pit back, forced to punt, scoreless first quarter. As far as the offense being able to be into the red zone and come up with zero points on the sideline, what's the thought process? 
it's difficult. You know, you, you put pressure on not only yourself, but your, but your defense and the rest of your team as well. Honestly, um, you go into those situations and you have to capitalize. You know, obviously three is not ideal. You want to go in and score touchdowns at all times, but you at least have to come away with three points. And as you know, as Coach LeBeau always used to say, you defend every every blade of grass. Yeah. We made we were able to make a play um and, and move our position a little closer to the end zone. But as you know, it's never going to be a give up with that Ravens defense. And for Ray Lewis to come back and make a play like that, he gave his team an opportunity to keep the points off the board. So we had to come back and, and understand, as you stated, you know, being in games like that, understanding that they're going to be low-scoring games, understand that there's not going to be too many opportunities to put points on the board. We had to make sure that the next opportunity we had, we seized properly. And what listeners may not know, when you talk about a Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, especially back in those days, for us, field goals were like touchdowns. Because it was going yeah. to be extremely difficult to get in position to attempt a field goal, better yet yeah. a touchdown. So three points might not seem like a huge deal any other time. But Correct. Baltimore, Pittsburgh, three points, touchdown. You take I that totally as a touchdown. Did. Yeah, so totally early did. in the second quarter, talking about field goals, Joe Flacco, 24-yard uh, yard uh, completion up the middle to Todd Heat. Remember Todd Heat from Arizona yes. State, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, sets up a Matt Stover field goal attempt. Baltimore takes the lead 3-0. Now, from the Steelers' standpoint, of course, the offense led by Big Ben, Nate, uh, Santonio, you guys were able to embark on a 12-play, six-minute drive, roughly over six minutes, that led to a Jeff Reed field goal. Now the game is tied 3-3. Focus, when you look at the focus of the offense, being able to sustain long drives, especially in a ugly type of matchup how important is that and from you as an individual are there things that you're monitoring are you watching from the defensive standpoint because i know long long play drives can be fatiguing especially a double digit drive so talk about the focus of the offense and from yourself from from yourself as an individual what are you looking at well at that time, those longer drives you know i'm, I'm definitely looking at the fatigue of the defense you know i obviously was a deep ball guy a guy that catch, you know, uh, 30 plus yard catches or 20 plus yard or 15 plus yard. So for me, that's honestly a good time for me. You know, uh, as you know, as a defensive back, you know, to, to be in seven or eight play of that 12 play drive. And here it is. You have a guy coming in as always running deep posts, always running go routes, <laughs> always running double moves. You know, that could be a difficult thing to deal with. So for me personally, um, there was an opportunity for me to look at the fatigue of the defense and, and maybe tell my coaches, you know, this may be a good shot, time for us to take a shot and see if we can make something work. I think uh, one of the abilities of our team at that time is, honestly, there were so many days I would sit on that bench on the offense with the offense and we would be struggling, but we knew we had a good defense. We knew we would have a defense to maintain us and keep us in that game. And I feel like at the same time, our offense was one of those offenses that not only could we provide big strike plays, but we had a lot of drives throughout that season, especially throughout that Ravens game, that were five minutes long, six minutes long, 10, 12 play um, period drives that would give us opportunity to wear the defense down, give our defense an opportunity to rest and maybe train some strategy. So our run game was amazing at that time with Willie Parker. He gave us an opportunity to wear that defense down. And then we had guys that were able to make plays in the passing game with our receiver, Vore, and, and one heck of a tight end, Heath Miller. 
So it was an opportunity at that time for definitely to start acknowledging their fatigue, see where they were at mentally, see if the, the tiredness was going to weigh into their minds and they begin to make mistakes. So we began to pay attention to a lot of those things. Speaking about paying attention, the Ravens were able to capitalize on an opportunity, field goal opportunity, right before halftime, taking a 6-3 lead into halftime. As far as halftime adjustments, you spoke about the good defense that you had on your side with Pittsburgh and this close, ugly matchup. What strategies are you emphasizing of, or as far as adjustments, knowing that one touchdown will decide this ball game? Well, as I stated, you know, Baltimore was definitely a, a heavy blitzing team. So by halftime, we've probably pretty much got a gist of what they're trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish, even if it's, you know, just taking advantage of one of our guys. So at that at that moment, we realize how routes we, we talk about, you know, maybe quick three steps that will help us. We talk about the, um, the advantage that we may have over our DBs at that time that, you know, a lot of a lot of times when you get into games, especially as an offense, you know, when you face in DBs, a lot of them may think that they know you. So they pretend to typically play you a certain way. It's not it's against their ways or rules of what the coaches may give them, but they they, contain, they say they know you. So you're able to read those things and take them into the locker room and to relay those messages to your coaches and, and, and take advantage of those opportunities. And I think that's what we were able to do at that time. Early in the third quarter, the Baltimore Ravens defense came up with a big-time play. Santonio Holmes uh, forced fumble via Samari Roll, Florida State guy to be exact, uh, recovered by yeah. Ed Reed. Talk a little bit about Ed Reed and his greatness because, of course, we saw Ed Reed twice a year. You played against him being an offensive player. I watched him. How special was Ed Reed? Man, you know, I think out of all of my years playing, besides having the opportunity to step on the field with Sean Taylor, Ed Reed was – obviously one of the most dynamic safeties in the game. You know, he knew the game in and out, so smart, um, uh, definitely was going to bring the hits when he had the opportunity. But I'll give you a funny story. Is obviously, as I stated, you know, it was a physical game with us, every single opportunity we had. With all due respect to uh, Ed, you know, it was always a battle between him and Hines. You know, every single time <laughs> they had the opportunity to meet, every single time Hines had a chance to, to, to get him, he would get him, you know, and he would he would make sure he felt it. Now I think it might have been that game, but Hines actually caught Ed slipping again, hit him with a blind side block, boom, tore him up, right? Ed got up front of him and said, I don't know what your problem is. You gonna stop hitting me like that. You gonna stop catching me off guard, hitting me like that. And, and it was so funny because as you know, Hines just laughed. He laughed at the whole He always thing. smiled. And I think that yeah, was the most annoying part because you are mad at yeah. this guy, and he's showing no facial expression as far as anger yeah. or anything is outside of that small uh, smile. Yeah. I, and I think, if I'm not no mistaken, laugh. early in the year, you remember the first matchup, I'm not mistaken, maybe it was 2008 or maybe 07, but Hines caught Ed Reed slipping, and that's when he gave him that prom escort. He wanted to take oh, that yeah. prom pitch. <laughs> oh, yeah, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, yes, it was sir. in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I definitely he, he, remember that problem that scored. That's, yes. that's the reason I think that might be the last try. <laughs> <laughs> he was pissed off because he went to sleep before, and then Hines, once again, doing what he does best, blocking, trying to make a play, being physical, caught him again. Talking about that fumble recovery by Ed Reed, future Hall of Famer, the Baltimore Ravens only managed a field goal, 9-3 lead, big bend in offense, jumps right back on the football field early in the first quarter, first sign of life starting and then eventually the unthinkable happens 
been intercepted at the line of scrimmage scrimmage after being hit as he threw focus on the momentum at that ball at that time because now the ravens have a nine to three lead their defense just forced another turnover and their offense is on the football field running off on the sideline they offensively what are you guys saying um, it's frustration, honestly. You know, uh, we, we understand at this point, especially when you get down, obviously defense can make a play and put you in position to, to, to score. But the reality of it is to, to, to come back in that game and put points on the board is, is on the offense. That responsibility is on the offense. And to have a, have a drive going and, and to be in the middle of a drive and once again have a turnover created, it's, it's hard. You know, it's difficult. It puts pressure on your defense. It, it definitely, deters the, the confidence of the offense, but there's a situation there that you realize no matter what has happened, the game must go on. Lions yeah. used to say something all the time in our room, you know, one monkey doesn't stop a show. The circus must go on. And that's our mentality. You know, no matter what happened, no matter what key piece may have made a mistake, we understood that the next drive was coming. And as long as there were more time on the clock, we were going to have to make a play to put our position and team, our team in position to win. Yeah. And the defense came on the football field. We're able to force a punt. The offense gets right back on the football field. The Pittsburgh Steelers offense to be exact. Big Ben and the offense, they finally wake up. Oh, Woody. Heinz Ward <laughs> comes to life. Big time play caught in 30, a 30 yard reception. The longest play of the day at that point. Uh, Heinz Ward, Hall of Famer, future Hall of Famer. In my opinion, no questions asked. You played with him your entire career in Pittsburgh. Talk about Hines as a player and as an individual. This was a guy that understood the underdog role. I couldn't have came in um, as a rookie under a better veteran. Mm-hmm. He understood that his climb wasn't just given to him. His success wasn't just given to him. And it gave me the opportunity to grow and learn under a guy that had kind of been through the situation that I had, I had been through. Um, at the same time, it was one of those things where um, I didn't know, you know, it, it, I didn't know how he would react to me being from a smaller school, not knowing me. But when I made the team, you know, he took me under his wing from day one. Um, he made sure that I understood what being a professional was about. He made sure that I, I was around the right company. Um, I actually, as you know, a guy named Ray of his that worked with him, um, I, I actually started and began to do some things with him off the field and try to involve myself in the community and those type of things. So he was a great mentor at that time, personally. And um, I couldn't have had a better mentor that understood the underdog role. You know, and as a player, this was a guy that understood the game. You know, uh, it was so many times, honestly, where coaches may be confused, uh, quarterbacks may be you know, raising an eyebrow at what's going on. But Hines was always able to step up and be like, you know, well, this is what's happening to us. I feel like this is what we need to do. This, I see this on the field. I think this is possible. And this wasn't just about passes to him. You know, he wasn't just that type of guy. You know, I, I, I've watched him draw runs. I've watched him, you know, sacrifice his body uh, on, on bigger guys on the defense because those guys couldn't be accountable within the offensive line scheme. So he was a, a team first type of guy, you know, with whatever it was going to take for us to win. It didn't matter if it was going and blocking their middle linebacker or making a, a third and 18 yard catch on third and 20 and, and getting four more yards so we can get that first down. He was going to do whatever it took for that team to win. And it was the same way off the field. You know, as you know, we used to do a big, you know, uh, thing for Deshae Townsend and his, his camps. 
But, you know, we would start with Hans, you know, and he will always take care of us. He will always make sure that we were, we were um, taking care of with our offseason and doing some things together. And it was, it was definitely uh, gratifying and a, a, a good thing for me going through the league, even after I left, to be able to go under a guy like Hans Ward. As you stated, I, I feel tremendously that he will be definitely a future Hall of Famer. And um, I think he has the respect not only from those fans that, that recognize him at his, as his time of playing, but definitely amongst his peers. No question, no question. And during that time, especially with that reception by Hines, we were able to convert a field goal. Now the lead is only a three-point lead. Baltimore takes the lead in the fourth quarter, nine to six. Eventually the Steeler offense get right back on the football field. A little bit under three minutes to go, and now it's Nate Washington time. Third and ten from the Steelers, 34 backed up. Ben finds Nate Washington on the sideline for a big-time first down uh, conversion. Ed Reed slips. Nate's gets some extra yards, picks up another set uh, of, of, of downs. Focus on that drive because clearly we're down. You know, we're down three points. Um, This is a two-minute situation, no huddle, opportunity. Third and ten, there's a good chance if we don't convert that first down by you, we will have to punt because we're backed up. There's no guarantee you the offense will get the ball back. What are you thinking during that play and not knowing the ball is coming your way, and then when you run your route, you see the ball is in the air coming towards number 85. What is going through your mind? Man, to be honest, you know, um, I know a lot of people, you know, as as you know, you know, a lot of people may look at those situations differently. But at that time, in that moment of my career, you know, it meant nothing. I knew that we needed a touchdown. I mean, a first down, excuse me. I knew that this team relied on me. Uh, as you know, even facing us in practice, I don't care what the play may so Playing with a guy like Ben Roethlisberger, there's no telling who's going to get the ball, where they're going to get the ball, and how they're going to get the ball. So every single one of those plays, no matter what, you have to be prepared for leaving that huddle knowing that that ball may come to you. Um, there was nothing I thought about, though. You know, uh, it was a first down that was more important. Uh, honestly, that was a moment in my career where I was confident by my brotherhood. I was confident by facing you guys every day in practice. So the emotions of whether or not I was going to be able to make a play, whether or not I was even going to catch the ball, was were very irrelevant. I didn't. It didn't matter. I knew a first down was more important at that time. So when the ball came my way, I just did everything that I could, you know, um, and it worked out. You know, I was able to move the chains, and that was just a mentality moving forward throughout that drive. Uh, we knew that we were down. We knew that every single situation and every single play that we had coming was going to be imperative. Um, and we needed to make sure that we were detailed in the song. So that's what we had to do. Speaking of that drive, because of that play by Nate Washington, the Pittsburgh Steelers offense, they're able to stay on the football field now under two minutes, literally a minute and 24 seconds The Pittsburgh Steelers uh, in another critical situation, and Big Ben finds Nate Washington once again, this time for 24 yards down to the Baltimore Ravens' 14-yard line. And, Nate, the that Baltimore week and the week before, fourth quarter, you became Mr. Clutch for us. You also had three receptions for 51 yards late in the fourth quarter the week before against the Dallas Cowboys. And then during week 15 against the Baltimore Ravens, Nate, you had three catches for 49 yards on the final drive alone focus on what that meant to you and the clutch performances you were able to consistently come through in two big time ball games 
the Dallas Cowboys the week before. And then, of course, the divisional matchup with the title on the line. The fourth quarter, you owned it. What that meant to you? Man, you know, honestly, for me personally, it meant nothing. I I, I didn't pay attention to those things at that time. You know, it, it really, for me as a person, it, it was the team aspect. I was more happy for the team. I was just happy that we were able to move down closer to the end zone. I was happy that I was able to be a part of those things. You know, you I, even as a player uh, on the sideline or even in the game at the time, when your brother makes a play that gives your team an opportunity to be successful, even in those crunch moments, you know, you, you applaud them. You, you want to you want to make sure that they realize that it's bigger than just those personal moments, you know, and that's what it was for me. You know, I, I got gratification from my teammates, my brothers, you know, those guys, Santonio, Hines at that time, they were congratulating me, come back to the huddle, and it was on to the next play, you know. So at that time, you know, personally, it, it didn't mean it as much to me. It, it meant everything to me team-wise. I knew it was an opportunity to help our team win and be successful moving down the field. And to be a part of that, to actually have a hand in that, it definitely was something gratifying to know that I could do for my brothers. And because of that play, we were able to stay on the field once again. The next play, literally under a minute, third and four, big-time opportunity by the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Big Ben does what he does best, scrambles around, looking for a wide receiver. Wide receivers are running around. DBs are trying to plaster. The offensive alignment are looking around, seeing who to block. Big Ben is making guys miss, and eventually he finds Antonio Holmes for an unbelievable catch, something the Baltimore Ravens will never get out of their memory, out of their head. Initially, not initially ruled a touchdown, but further review, further review upon further review. They ruled it a touchdown, toe tapping situation by Santonio Holmes, toe time, tone time to, to say the least. Being able to score a touchdown now, we're up 13-6. Defense comes back on the football field literally under 20 seconds. William Gay seals the deal, intercepting Joe Flacco, winning the divisional title. And let me read a quote from your fellow offensive teammate Willie Parker running back at that time post game quote this is like our biggest win I know we won the Super Bowl but you can't just understand the feeling of the players in this locker room right now what and we talk about the rivalry and still to this day I hate the the Ravens uh pretty sure it's the same for you but what that moment felt for us because we were battle tested the whole time it was a sloppy ball game and literally the last drive decided the victory for us what that moment meant for us as a unit unfortunately that was one of the the tests of that team we we constantly as an offense sometimes struggled to get through games you know we found a way to put it together at the end of it all and make sure that we we had some great games but we had some games we struggled you know and i look back at that time and the, the statement defense wins championships and offense sales tickets is truly 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 one of the most important statements that a football team could ever understand because no matter how many positions that we were in to score, we did not have the opportunity or we didn't make it successful. It didn't work out, but our defense was always standing up. Our defense was always defending every blade of grass. And when you do that, you give your offense an opportunity to make some changes, to get some things together. And as you stated, that one drive could possibly be that one drive to put your team over the hump for the whole game. So in a hostile territory where, you know, honestly, I think, you know, 
if it could have came down to it, everybody would just took their paths off and just fought each other. You know, that's how much <laughs> we didn't like each other. You know, yeah. so in a hostile territory against a team that, you know, you all were always going to be battle tested, always was going to be physical. Um, to come out of that at the end of it all, to not play your best, but to put a drive together at the end, I think I can, I can even today sitting back and looking at it, I can agree with Willie. It was one of our biggest games that we won. You know, uh, it was one that we weren't supposed to win. We were underdogs at the time and to, to come out of that victory knowing that that honestly gave us the home field advantage later on in playoffs and they, they had to come to us, you know, yep. so. It was a, it was a good opportunity for us to win that game because we were going to need to be at home in that playoffs and if we had an opportunity to do anything later on and win that Super Bowl as we did. No question, no question because we improved uh to 11 and 3 the Ravens uh 9 and 5 that create more separation between the two teams. Of course, we won the division being able to have everything come through Pittsburgh uh for the most part throughout the playoffs was something that we wanted from the very beginning of the season. There you have it, listeners, uh Steeler fans, great recap of week fifteen, an ugly but pretty matchup against the Baltimore Ravens. Steelers win thirteen to nine. Loving uh, is an opportunity of love having my fellow draft mate. Even though he was undrafted, he's still a draft mate of mine, too part of the two thousand rookie class for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Eleven year vet. Nate Washington from Tiffin University, not Tiffin College, Tiffin University. 11-year pro, man, played with him in uh, in Pittsburgh for four years, man. Thank you for the opportunity. And next, what's next for us as we continue to recap this story, Super Bowl season of the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers. Week 16, a matchup on the road against the Tennessee Titans, 12-2 and Tennessee Titans, who were playing real good football at the time. We will recap that game next week 16 but once again nate it's an honor enjoy your vacation go out and get you a suntan whatever it is you need to do but thank you once again for making some time to really come on and join me and reminisce about that week 15 matchup against the Ravens. hey man thanks for having me man i'm proud of you no no bigger honor to have a brother like you man i'm I'm very grateful to see you doing everything good, man, and I wish you the best success. I'm sure I'll see you soon, bro. Uh, No question. No question. Thank you again. (laughs) Subscribe to the season 2008 Steelers on iTunes and anywhere else podcasts are found. So you're up to date on our episodes that are released each Monday up until the Super Bowl. Until then, in the words of legend Dick LeBeau, adios. (laughs) 